When I became a foster mom four years ago, I quickly realized there weren't many resources for foster or adoptive parents, much less for the millennial generation. That's where the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast comes in. Welcome to a no-frills look at the journey of foster parenting. It's millennial motherhood with real chats about all things foster care, from navigating home visits, court hearings, bio parents, and quote-unquote, getting to attach. Please join me every week for an honest conversation about foster care and adoption as a millennial mom. Welcome to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. Welcome back to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. My name is Brittany, and I am a millennial foster and adoptive mom. My husband and I have had 10 kids in our home since we became licensed in 2016, and we have adopted three kids. We currently have four kids under eight, and our youngest is four. We have one foster placement right now, but if you'd like to hear more about our story and how we came to foster, please consider listening to episode one titled Our Foster Care Story. So this week, we are going to continue our chat about getting started on the foster care journey. Last week, I talked to Valerie, who is in the middle of her foster parent training, and then I received a message from a listener who is about to start licensing classes. She wants to know a little bit more about what to expect and how to survive the home study process, so today we'll be diving into both a little bit more. And before we get into today's episode, I do want to share that in the upcoming weeks, I'm going to try my best to keep up with my Wednesday upload schedule. As many of you know, I'm a teacher and I went back to work last week and our students come back this Friday, so my schedule has been a little bit busier. Episodes might be shorter, so please give me some grace. I feel like I would rather do shorter episodes than none at all. I do have a mini-series on post-adoption depression and anxiety planned, so please stay tuned for that as well. So with that said, let's talk about foster parenting classes. All right, so let's talk about training classes. Like we've talked about before, each state has its own requirements when it comes to fostering. After you reach out to your local state or private agency, you'll most likely go to an informational meeting before starting the actual classes. Typically, classes for licensing last six to eight weeks, depending on your state. Some states, it may take longer. When we became licensed in 2016, we had two classes a week for a few hours at a time for eight weeks. We did meet foster parents-to-be during this process, so that was actually really helpful. Valerie mentioned last week that her fostering classes are taking place online due to the pandemic, so if you or someone you know is at the beginning of the fostering process, expect that your classes will probably take place virtually. Even our annual home reevaluation took place virtually this year. As far as the actual classes, some of them are more interesting than others. I don't remember a ton of the content since we did ours four years ago, but I can tell you, you learn a lot about trauma and the effect it has on children. The topics covered for the classes in our state include the fostering and adoption process, emotional cognitive behavioral implications of fostering and adopting, sexuality and sexual orientation as it relates to foster youth, communication and partnership, identity and cultural issues, and that it's coming straight from the Georgia Fostering website. A lot of the content is interactive and we would have class discussions or share personal experiences. This is helping your agency to get to know you better as well. My biggest tip for these classes is to keep an open mind and be flexible. You might not agree with every rule or requirement your agency or state has, but that's okay. You are allowed to have an opinion in your own beliefs. However, remember why you are doing this. Remember, sometimes you might have to compromise so you can reach your ultimate goal, which is being a foster parent and helping a child in need. 
There also might be times that you want to throw in the towel, but I urge you to press on. I know learning about child abuse or neglect is the last thing you want to do when you are tired from working all day, but you can do this. These kids are worth it. I know completing mountains and mountains of paperwork is no fun for anyone, and neither is sharing every debt in your bank account balance. But again, you can do this. Staying sane during your fostering classes is imperative. I suggest becoming as organized as possible. Like Valerie mentioned last week, it is really helpful when you are needing copies of important documents to have them all in one place. I would suggest starting a binder and having all of your important documents, receipts, health records, septic inspections, etc. all in one place. This can be done digitally or on paper, depending on your personal preference. I would also suggest making a specific folder for emails pertaining to your fostering agency or your caseworkers. Using a label for these emails in your inbox will help locate them later. Another tip I have for those nights you have classes, whether virtual or in-person, eventually that'll happen again, hopefully, is to prep ahead. I'm a huge advocate for meal prep to make those busy weekday evenings even easier. Fostering classes are no different. Prep ahead so your evening is as stress-free as possible. This might not be an option every single week, but the weeks you can plan ahead, try to do this. It'll help you to be in a better mindset during your actual classes. You can meal prep so your dinner is simple, or you might designate class nights as night to grab a quick dinner out. If you have children in your home already and your classes are virtual, adjust bedtimes or have an activity to occupy your children. Some in-person foster parenting classes even offer childcare. Do whatever you can so you can soak up as much information as possible and minimize distractions. Have paper, pens, or pencils and highlighters ready if you want to take notes. Snacks probably aren't a bad idea either. You'll be learning a lot about trauma-informed parenting and strategies for a lot of scenarios you'll encounter once you start fostering, so you definitely want to make sure you are fully committed and paying attention. All right, so now we're going to talk about home inspections. Moving on to home inspections and home studies, I'm going to start by saying I've never met a single person who was not stressed out by their home inspection for one reason or another. It can be nerve-wracking to have someone come and judge your home and ask you very personal questions. But again, I want you to remember why you are doing this and know you are not alone with your feelings of stress or anxiety. Just remind yourself that this is temporary and the home study writer has to do these things to ensure your foster children will be in a safe home. It's also important that you answer every question honestly. I was asked if I had ever been in therapy or counseling and I shared during our initial home study that I had briefly gone to grief counseling in college when my grandfather passed away. We did our annual home reevaluation for our license this summer and she asked me about my grief counseling and it was four years ago. Like, when I told them it was four years ago, I actually went almost 11 years ago. So just know that some things you discuss in your initial home study will come up for years to come, but don't assume that they are being judgmental. They just want to make sure you are mentally and emotionally capable of caring for children who are in foster care. The interview questions themselves aren't super invasive. They just might make you come up with answers you have not thought about before. You and your partner will be interviewed together and then separately. You talk a lot about your childhood, including the good and the bad parts. You also discuss why you chose to pursue foster care. If you and your partner experience infertility, your home study specialist might ask if you have pursued any counseling to overcome the grief that comes along with infertility. I do remember our home study specialist asked what 
our favorite thing was about one another and what is one thing we would change about one another. And so that was definitely an interesting answer. (laughs) I've heard of agencies also asking married couples about intimacy, but we've never actually experienced that before. After the interviews and questions, the second part of your home study will be the actual evaluation of your home. Your home study specialist will have a checklist he or she has to go by to evaluate your home for safety and functionality. Prior to the home study process starting, make sure you have replaced any outdated smoke detectors or their batteries, have a carbon monoxide detector, a lockbox for medications, child safety locks on cabinets with dangerous chemicals or knives, and other baby-proofing measures like gates by stairs or doorknob covers. We also had to purchase a fire extinguisher and a first aid kit. If you miss any of these things on your home study evaluation or simply haven't purchased them yet, you will have a grace period to have these things fixed. This also goes for if there are any other updates to your home that need to be made to ensure safety. For example, at our old house, the one we lived at during our licensing process, we had a bench outside that was made from like wooden posts and cinder blocks. Think Pinterest DIY. Our home study specialist requested that the base of the bench be buried some in the dirt since it could be pushed over with some effort. So we buried the bottom bricks and sent her a picture letting her know we took care of it. Obviously, in an ideal world, you would like to have your house be tidy and presentable. But we all know this does not always happen despite our best efforts. You don't have to have your future foster child's room complete, especially if you are looking to foster a range of ages. But it would help to be able to show the designated bedroom for your future child and their sleeping arrangements. We didn't have a ton of toys or little things, but we did have a crib, a rocking recliner, a cube storage shelf, and pictures on the wall during our home study. The house we lived in when we got licensed was not very big, and I remember our home study specialist mentioning that she could smell our dog when she walked in. So obviously this is kind of embarrassing, but she was not trying to be mean. She was just giving an honest observation. We have a big dog, so a big dog in a little house, you're going to notice him eventually anyway. So with that in mind, I just made sure to get some plug-in air fresheners for near the front door since it was right next to the living room. I think you have to remember any suggestions or comments your home study specialist has, try not to take them personally. It is not an attack against you or your homemaking skills. They just want to make sure your home is ready and safe. It also gives them an idea of how flexible and open-minded you are. So I made this point last week when talking to Valerie, but I want to make it again in case we have anyone who is just now tuning in. You do not have to be a homeowner to become a foster parent. I repeat, you do not have to be a homeowner. We were renting when we became licensed. Our rental was a trailer that had been put on a permanent foundation, and it was built in the 80s, so it was old. It wasn't perfect, but we made it work, and it gave us the space we needed to start fostering. As a renter, you will have to involve your landlord for septic inspections or if you have well water for well inspections. The only other thing we needed from our landlord was to figure out where the hot water heater was so we could adjust the temperature for our home inspection. It was a little more stressful, but it was not impossible. We got licensed in August of 2016, and the following summer, we bought our first home and moved about 25 minutes away. We let our agency know, and they came out and did a home inspection of our new house. It wasn't as thorough because we had just moved a lot of our stuff from our old house to our new house, like our medicine lock box and our carbon monoxide monitor, but we did have to immediately install our baby locks and things. We also had to pay for a new well inspection and septic inspection. So my last tip for home inspections is to always offer your home study specialist a glass of water. Not only is this polite, but 
you know, it's just a thing you do when somebody comes to your home. I also had cookies available for the first visit, but that's not a must. I was just trying to be an overachiever. Typically, they'll turn you down, but at least the sentiment is there. So once your home study specialist writes your home study, he or she turns it into the state for a review. It's very long and can take them a few weeks to write it, but that's typical. I promise doing a home study is not as bad as you think. Like any job, there are home study specialists who are really, really great and some that are really, really bad, usually just because of their people skills or the way they write the home study. Just be flexible and calm and you'll get through this. A home study is the last hurdle you have before becoming licensed, so you're almost there. Okay, so it's time for my Rose and Thorn part of the episode. If you are tuning in today for the first time, Rose and Thorn is a time to discuss a high and low from the week. I like to start with a thorn so we can end on a good note. So my thorn for this week has to do with my car. On Friday, I went to my car after school and it was pouring outside. I get into my car and it won't start. So luckily, it turns out it was only the battery. Um, My amazing teaching assistant dropped me off at my house. And once Carson got back from his visit, all six of us went and jumped off my car. And we bought a replacement battery the next day. But... I feel like it's just been one thing after the other the past few weeks with the AC going out and now this. So I feel like I'm really being tested and let's be real, my bank account is being tested. So I feel like my roses are usually book or food related and this week is no different. My rose for this week is the strides that we're making as a family to be as low waste and resourceful as possible. I love making food from scratch, and this weekend I made yogurt for the first time. My kids are obsessed with yogurt, and we also saved a celery heart from last week and put it in water to try and grow our own celery. Our garden did pretty well this year considering it was our first one, but we had tomatoes, cucumbers, watermelon, potatoes, sweet peppers, and squash. We also planted citronelle and lavender. We've been switching to glass instead of plastic, and I save all of our glass jars we get from the grocery store. It's just been a good change for our family, and I really enjoy finding new ways to incorporate a low-waste lifestyle into our home. This is going to wrap up this episode of the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast can be found on almost any podcast listening app. If you listen through Apple Podcasts, I would so appreciate if you would leave a positive review. I am up to eight reviews so far. With more reviews and downloads, the podcast will show up in more searches and can reach more foster and adoptive moms. If you could please leave a review or a rating, I would so appreciate it. And a huge thank you to everyone who has already taken the time to leave a rating and a review. The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast podcast is created using an app called Anchor. I hope this episode gave you some insight to the process of becoming a licensed foster parent. Again, I'm sorry this was on the shorter side, but I really feel in my heart that I would rather put out at least a little bit of content each week than none at all. If you would like to add to anything we've mentioned today or have any other questions about the licensing process, please reach out and I'll share it with the listeners. If you would like to connect, you can find me on the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast Instagram page or you can email me at the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And remember, motherhood is hard no matter how you get there. But together, we've got this, mamas. Talk to you next week.